Today on Telling the Truth, Jill explores how we often lose our spiritual edge over time and how you can regain the all-important ingredient that makes you an effective and useful Christian. More on that in a moment, but first... In Stuart Briscoe's insightful six-message series, Thinking Clearly in a Messed-Up World, he helps you understand how God's Spirit works to transform you and renew your thoughts no matter what's going on around you. And through your support today, you can help others experience transformation in their lives as well. We'll say thanks for your gift by sending you a copy of Thinking Clearly in a Messed-Up World. So call today to request your copy. 1-800-889-5388. That's 1-800-889-5388. Or you can give online at tellingthetruth.org. Now, here's Jill with her message, The Cutting Edge. I'd like you to open your Bibles with me to the book of Kings, 2 Kings, chapter 6. 2 Kings, chapter 6. I want to talk about a true story in the Old Testament of a young man who thought he had a handle on things but found out he just couldn't cut it. In other words, he lost his edge, his cutting edge. And I've noticed people have had all sorts of visual aids and so I brought an axe. (laughs) Very sharp edge. Absolutely useless without I mean, you might try to use it, but you'd need more strength. In fact, the Bible talks about this in Ecclesiastes 10.10. If the axe is dull and the edge unsharpened, more strength is needed. Instead, skill will bring success or wisdom will bring success. What's wisdom? Spiritual intelligence, spiritual street smarts. I mean, if you lose the edge, you can just continue bashing away. It'll need more strength. But if you've got any smarts, spiritual smarts at all, you'll figure there's a better way. Sharpen the edge. Right? Sharpen the edge. Now let's read the little story. The company of the prophet said to Elisha, Look, the place where we meet with you is too small for us. Let's go to the Jordan where each of us can get a pole Let's build a place there for us to live. And he said, go. And one of them said, well, won't you come with us? Come with your servants. Well, I will, Elisha replied. And he went with them. They went to the Jordan and they began to cut down trees. And as one of them was cutting down a tree, the iron axe head fell into the water. Oh, my Lord, he cried. It was borrowed. And the man of God said, where did it fall? Well, when he showed him the place, Elisha cut a stick and threw it there and made the iron float. Lift it out, he said. Then the man reached out his hand and took it, got it back. And I want to use this little story as an allegory, as a picture that you can take away with you, and I trust will haunt you. (laughs) Because if it does, you've got the point, you've got the message that we all have a spiritual edge in our lives, and too many of us lose it, And I want to talk about the spiritual edge that makes us effective and useful and makes the devil sorry he started the whole mess in the first place. Now, when I first came to Christ, 
The girl that led me to the Lord gave me a Bible and said, it's quite simple, really, Jill. You just take a little passage of scripture and you ask it questions. Who, where, why, when, what? And the text will answer you and you have this sort of conversation. God speaks to you and you question the text. And uh, if you don't find the answer in that verse, then if you have a good reference Bible, and I hope you all have a good working Bible with references, those little references are like pointers. They're like signposts, and they show you another verse that explains it more clearly. And so as I took this passage of Scripture, and I still use this method in a sense, I thought we would do that together today. So my first question is, who is this talking about? Who were the company of prophets? Who was Elisha? Who? Well, the company of prophets was a group of men and women who decided to be holy, separate, set apart from God. People to be reckoned with. People that would obey God. Keep their promises. And they were living in a society of religious people, people of Israel, most of whom had decided not to keep their promises to love God with all their heart and all their strength and all their mind and their neighbor as their self. And they were serving other gods. This happened under the time of old King Compromise, King Ahab, who'd married Jezebel, her name tells you who she served, And Jezebel had brought all her prophets to Israel in order to convert the whole nation to the gods. And she was doing a pretty good job. And where she found people, men, women, kids, who said, no, I will serve the only true God, she chased them, killed them. And some of them were hiding in caves. It was like the underground church. Little groups of believers, believers that believed in Jehovah and wanted to fulfill his plan for their lives. And so the company of prophets we read about was a little group of many groups that Elijah has set up under persecution in his day. Well, then Elijah went to heaven in a fiery chariot and you remember God gave his power. God gave his ministry to his disciple, Elisha. And Elisha asked for one thing. Oh, my master, he said, before you go to heaven, may the power that you have rest on me, the anointing rest on me. And of course, that's what happened. And as Elisha took over, revival began to happen in Israel. And more and more people, now Jezebel was gone, it was safe to believe. They didn't have to live in caves anymore. And they began to gather in all sorts of places in Jericho, in Bethel, in the towns, and they began little Bible schools, if you wish. They had a teacher, and they began to grow and grow and grow. And more and more people from Israel said, you know, I I think I want to get back to God. I I think I want to get back to being the person that God wants me to be and join his team. And so who are they? They're a little group, and they were attracting a lot of their friends and family and The place was too small. The place where we sit with you, actually, the word is. The place where we sit with you is too small. We have no elbow room. Let's go down to the Jordan and let's build a bigger sanctuary so that we can really be effective for God. 
That's who they were. Well, who was Elisha? I've mentioned that he was Elijah's disciple. He was Elijah's follower, and Elijah was his teacher. He's a colorful character, so is Elijah. When I led God Squad for years and years, my heart and my mission was with junior high kids. I still have that heart. Gift doesn't age. Spiritual gift. Heart doesn't age. So I still love to be with junior high kids. I started God Squad and was wondering what sort of stories to teach them. I went into the Old Testament where the gory stories are, because junior high kids love gory stories. And so I started finding all the gory stories. And one of them was Elijah's story of how he began his ministry. And he was in Jericho at the time. And some youths, some very rude, very horrible young people, came out of the forest with him and they started taunting him and saying, go on, you old bald head, etc., etc. And apparently, Elisha prayed to God and rebuked them in the name of the Lord and some she-bears came out of the woods and tore them to pieces. The kids loved that story. <laughs> Very good for junior hackers. I can't remember what I drew out of it. I found something to draw out of it and apply about respect for elders or something like that. But Elisha was a very colorful guy, very colorful character. And under Elisha, revival began. What's revival? Renewal. Spiritual power coming back where powerless had been. Edge. Effectiveness. You get something done. People know you're there in the name of God. And more and more people began to come. And so it was one of those groups that he himself settled He settled into as the leader. All the other groups had leaders too, had teachers. The place where we sit with you, what does that teach us? Who? What? What does it teach you? That Teach me that it says, the place where we sit with you, they were good learners. We need to be good learners, folks. Problem with Western Christianity is everybody wants to serve in an advisory capacity. And that's all right if God's put you there. But what sort of a teacher are we? What sort of a learner are we? We need to be both. Elisha had been a learner. Now he was a teacher, but he was also a learner. And what I love, as I look at this leader, I learn so much about my own leadership. I ask my hard questions. He went with them. He was there. I love it. He was accessible. He was available. When you're a leader, you have to be there. I mean, you have to be there and you have to be there, all there. It has to be about them and not about you. You have to love them or they won't listen to you. Listen, if you don't like a teacher, you're not going to learn anything. Those of you who are young, still in school or university, Think about your teachers. Are there some you really don't like? Do you listen to them? That's Jill Briscoe discussing how you can rely on God's Spirit to keep you spiritually sharp so you're effective for His purposes. Jill will be right back in a moment. Your support helps Telling the Truth reach across the globe 
to share the love of God and message of Christ with people everywhere. So call today to request your copy of Thinking Clearly in a Messed Up World when you give to help more people experience life in Christ. 1-800-889-5388. That's 1-800-889-5388. Or you can give online at tellingthetruth.org. We now return to Joel's message, The Cutting Edge. I think back hundreds of years to my school days, and I have a couple of teachers that I detested. I would use that word. And we had a running battle, which is why I came out not knowing anything from that teacher. I didn't like them, therefore I didn't listen to them. That's One of them was my math teacher, and that's why today when my checkbook gets in a mess, I open another account. I have no idea how to keep a checkbook. Why? Because I didn't like her and I wouldn't listen to her. And if you're going to be a a leader, if you're going to teach a Bible study, if you're going to have people following you and you're mentoring them or whatever, they're going to have to like you. They're going to have to know that you love them. Then they'll listen to you. They loved Elisha. He went with them. Would you come with us? Yeah. He was there. Available and accessible and likable. I remember talking to a missionary kid. She was angry. Middle of Africa. Stuart and I ended up in a missionary school because there'd been a coup in the last African country and they had to get us out of the country and they didn't know what to do with us. So they said, let Jill and Stuart go to the missionary school and spend a week there with the kids. That was all right by me. And so we ended up in this missionary school, and as we came in the gate, there was a beautiful 17-year-old blonde American girl, missionary kid, Whitcliffe kid, sitting up in a tree, one of those African trees that are just made to climb and sit in. Her whole body language told me a whole lot about her. I don't want to be here. I don't like being here. I'm miserable. I want to go home. And God said to me, as he often does, that's why you're here. That's why you're in the middle of Africa, Jill, not just to talk your head off six foot above contradiction this week. That's why you're here, that missionary kid. And I thought, well, she's got to like me. Now, that was a challenge. She didn't like anyone. It was obvious. I watched her among the people. I watched her as she talked with her head down to her teachers. She didn't like anyone. God, you're going to have to do this. And so I began the work. It's work. And I played tennis with her. And I sat at meals with her. I went to class with her. She began to talk to me and talk to me. She began to complain about Wycliffe and her parents. And I wanted to jump in so many times. Oh, but you don't understand. And I wanted to start and explain her parents to her and explain God to her. She was mad. She was mad at everyone. And I prayed, let her like me so she'll listen to me, Lord. And in the end, it took four days. I only had five I began to speak into her pain. When I left, she left me a note. I carry it with me. And it said this, because you listened to me, I knew that you loved me. Love listens. And because I knew that you loved me, I listened to you. Do you hear that, parents? Do you hear that, youth leaders? Do you hear that, Sunday school teachers? Listen! Because it's all about them. It's not all about you. It's not about what you've got to teach them. Listen through. Listen to the pain. Listen through the pain. Get your focus off yourself. 
and they'll like you and they'll say, come with us. When I was working with street kids, I remember, how did I ever do that? I have no idea. Just put myself in to their presence in these incredible places. After school, get in the bus, go down Lime Street, Liverpool, wander around, look for my school kids. Because they didn't like me, you see. They didn't like me in the classroom, so they weren't going to listen to me, whether it was English or Greek or whatever I was teaching them. Certainly Jesus. So they had to like me, and how is that going to happen? I had to be there. I had to go with them. I had to go to them. A ministry of presence, then a ministry of credibility. I don't know, it was weeks just hanging around. First they were suspicious. First they ignored me. Then they were rude to me. Just kept on going, smiling. Hi, here again. And anybody want coffee? I'm paying. Night after night after night. And then one night, one kid said to me, are you coming tomorrow, miss? Yeah, I'll be here. My heart leapt. And he began to like me. And then he began to look for me. Then I could lead him to Christ because he liked me. And then he listened to me. That was Elisha. As I look at this, Lord, that's the sort of leader I want to be. Now, that's edge. That takes the Spirit of God because we are so intrinsically selfish. We don't do that in ministry. We want to perform. We want to be big. And God says, learn to be small. Remember Jesus, Philippians 2, down, down, down. He was in highest heaven and he came down and he lived down and he lay down and he went down and we're all about up, 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 up. And if we are going to have a spiritual edge, it's got to all be about down. And this young man, well, he was enjoying the edge of his acts. He was effective. He was enthusiastic. He was energetic. Are you effective and enthusiastic and energetic? Are you clearing your part of the forest? Each of them had a part. Did you notice that? Each of us in this community, in this called out community of people, have a part. And we're meeting in our groups. Some are big groups. Some are little groups. And you are part of this group. Why community? Let's ask the questions. Who, where, why? Because it's God's idea. And because he said, iron sharpens iron. How do you think this axe or hatchet got sharp? The best way I read in a commentary in those days was to sharpen axe by axe. Not a stone. And they didn't have electricity. Just axe by axe. Iron sharpens iron. A friend sharpens a friend. And that's God's idea of community, that we can help each other to get our edge back. That's what community is for. That's what fellowship is for. Let me give you a definition of fellowship. Two fellows in a ship. <laughs> it's easy. When the ship goes up, you both go up. When the ship goes down, fellowship, community. Yeah, iron sharpens iron. Have you ever had the experience where you've been working away for Jesus and everything is wonderful and joy is Jesus making your heart smile and everything's good and suddenly you lose it? Well, the young man did. He lost his edge. What did he do? He went to Elisha. Please, God, each of you have an Elisha in your life. He went to Elisha. Of course, you can go to your heavenly Elisha, 
And what did he say? He got honest. I lost it. You got to get honest. We're not honest. We're not honest with ourselves. We're not honest with God. We're not honest with other people. I don't care how long you've been a Christian. The devil will get us there every single time. We're not honest. Stuart and I just did a conference with seniors at the Cove at the Billy Graham Center. 400 seniors. It was wonderful. I said to Stuart just before I went down to take my session, I love ministering to them. He said, Jill, them is us. No, 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 no. Them. Never think of myself as a senior. The second time I got up to speak, my husband leant over to me and said, Jill, what does it feel like to have a child who is a senior? Ah! David had just had his birthday. Sorry, Dave. Had to tell him that. (laughs) That's when you feel old. When you as a senior, 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 senior have a senior child. Amazing. So here we are at the cove. Stuart's being introduced and they ask him, how long have you been married, you and Jill? And he says, 51 years. 51 years. And they said, what is the secret of your long and happy marriage? Well, he didn't say who said it was happy. I was glad he didn't say that. (laughs) He just looked at them and said, keep your promises and live a long time. (laughs) (laughs) Keep your promises and live a long time. That's it. You keep your promises. You get honest. You get honest with God and you get honest with each other. And you stay honest. And you keep your promises. You live a long time. It's the secret of a happy life. And with God, it's the same with any relationship, especially a relationship with God. You keep your promises and live a long time. This is not one great leap. You don't become a Christian and that's it. And then you just do Christian things. It's a moment-by-moment walk in the Holy Spirit. That's what I'm talking about. It's keeping in step with the Spirit. And when you lose it, you'll know it. I mean, do you think he knew it? Of course, you lose the edge. How could he not know it? But we're not honest. You've been hearing Jill Briscoe on Telling the Truth, teaching about how to keep your spiritual edge. How are you to process the unnerving events happening all around you in today's world? Does the Bible offer you any hope, help, or guidance? The answer, of course, is yes. Discover how God's Spirit works in you to transform you and renew your thoughts no matter what's going on around you with Stuart Briscoe's powerful six-message series, Thinking Clearly in a Messed-Up World. Drawing from Romans 12, Stuart discusses how you can respond with wisdom and courage in today's most distressing circumstances. You'll discover how the Spirit of God is ever faithful, giving you the grace to think clearly in a messed up world. We'll send you this series as thanks for your gift of support to help more people experience life through the resources and teachings of telling the truth. Generous friends like you, keep broadcasts like today's going often reaching places where the gospel hasn't yet made inroads. So if you've never given before, please consider a gift today to help keep God's word going out around the world. And remember to request your copy of Thinking Clearly in a Messed Up World when you call and give. 1-800-889-5388 1-800-889-5388 
or you can give online when you visit tellingthetruth.org. Thanks for listening today. Join us again next time for more biblical teaching from Stuart and Jill Briscoe. Experience life here on Telling the Truth.